0: in helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm Les Raymond.
1: And I'm Sarah Raymond. This is a show where we facilitate an environment to empower growth among a community of like-minded individuals who strive to live mindfully in all aspects of their lives.
0: We have someone special up with us today, Joe Sanzlone. He is not your average personal trainer. He is a trainer extraordinaire, coach of coaches. This man has been in the industry for 20 years now, always striving to be on the cutting edge of movement training. After an extensive run with several martial art practices, Joe jumped into the fitness industry, acquiring numerous certifications. He's a graduate of the Athletes Performance Institute Mentorship. He's a former staff instructor of the Functional Movement System. He holds several certifications, including a Level 2 USA weightlifting coach and a senior Strong First instructor. Joe, this is a long list of professional certifications. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you are today in your career. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, It is a long list. That's for sure. Uh, Let's see. So, uh, like you said, Les, I appreciate the introduction. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, Thanks for coming. Really glad to be here. Excited to be here. To talk with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So, twenty years. Yeah, twenty years. And uh, where I am now is I own and operate a facility here in Columbia, Maryland, called Optimum Performance Training Institute. And uh, yeah, still work for Strong First at this point in my career. And now I'm also uh, spending most of my time teaching and pioneering my own method methodology and system of human movement restoration and human movement optimization and human performance so i'm doing that and teaching lots of workshops relating to that and uh that's where i am currently in the industry.
1: that's great so your facility i think we call it opti here in maryland optimum <laughs> performance <laughs> training institute in columbia it really brings all aspects of physical well-being together including performance injury prevention nutrition and recovery So we've heard a lot about where you are today. Can you tell us how you got there? What the journey (laughs) was like for you?
2: How much time do we have? That's that's all (laughs) the time we need, Joe. All right, we got twenty years to cover. (laughs) Yeah, right. Seriously. So it's a long (laughs) journey, but basically, I've been a a student of human movement and human performance my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's all I've ever wanted to do. I'm very devoted, and uh, it's all I study. I've been studying it forever. So it started in 1996. 1996 I began the idea of uh, wanting to optimize my own performance for my own sport at the time which was martial arts and it was kind of like mixed martial arts before that was really around uh, so that was the main passion for me as I was already in martial arts I started that back basically right at high school level and wanted to begin this process of optimizing my body so I could perform at my highest levels uh, beyond just learning the skill of the sport so that took me into learning about human performance and it took me to a book called super training by Mel Siff which is one of the uh you know, essential quote-unquote Bibles of the human performance industry. Um, so I got into that book, read that, and kind of fell in love with the idea of becoming or getting involved in strength and conditioning, what it was at the time—performance enhancement, strength and conditioning—and uh, went to a gym, a local gym, and began just taking things out of Mel Siff's book and trying to apply them to myself as much as possible. My dad um, was a devout powerlifter, also, so he is not any longer retired from that particular sport. He had a very competitive career, so he used to take me to the gym early in life. So it was really instilled in me early in life to kind of just take care of myself, look at uh, health and fitness and all the aspects of it. But the big motivating factor was my own optimum performance that I was trying to create for myself. So I went to the gym, and then that began the process of me um, seeing personal trainers, interact with people. And I just fell in love with the concept of, I already was interested in teaching and coaching. I was doing that with martial arts. So it was already kind of a natural fit for me just to be a teacher, a student, an instructor, a coach, whatever those terms all are and defined as. And... um, yeah, went from there to me being inspired to watch personal trainers, and it just started to take over my interest more and more. And I got a job uh, in 1996 at 18 years old, right out of high school, uh, working at the uh, like front desk of a of mm-hmm. a facility, essentially, right here in Columbia. And um, got my personal trainer certificate, my first one, and got my first client who I still train today oh that's great yep so and then I spent you know all these years just devoting my level of education and my expertise development to human movement and human performance specifically human performance in the beginning and that led me down this path of the more I looked at human performance the optimization of being able to do things at a high level with your body physically uh, it took me down to this one common denominator that's constantly there which is your body and how that Mm -hmm. thing functions and moves Started to take more and more of a forefront because you can only perform as well as ultimately sustainably as well as you end up moving your body. So that took me into the human movement uh, side of things and deeper into that. And then uh, I started finding uh, particular people that were just prominent industry professionals that were experts in the field. And I became, I uh, started working for them as much as possible, learning from them as much as possible, and mentoring as much as possible from the people like Michael Boyle, uh, specifically, is probably the very, very first one. Actually, the first one was JC Santana. And then Michael Boyle, and then that led me down uh, a path towards Gray Cook and uh, Mark Verstegen. These are all very prominent people that are in the human movement and human performance industry. And, um, you know, I I was lucky enough to be able to be a student of and work for Gray Cook for years and years and years. So I basically have spent most of my time studying human movement and human performance ever since, putting all my time and energy into developing that understanding and the ability to create a method and an application around it, a system uh, for human beings, for people. And that led me into learning more and more since I'm trying to modify behavior of people. I'm trying to change how they move. I'm trying to help them change how they perform. That led me to the next big realization, which is you're dealing with people. And the depth (laughs) under that is the human behavior beyond just the movement behavior. There's the nutritional behavior. Uh, There's the psychological behaviors that govern and drive all the decision-making. relating to those things. The reason we make the choices we make in human psychology became a major study and a focal point because change any behavior... You have to get the human being to make a choice to want to change,
0: right.
2: or they need to find a reason to change. There's got to be some motivating factor for that. And I wanted to inspire and lead and direct people towards this optimal way of living that I defined it as through human movement and performance. Then I needed to engage in nutritional understanding. And I needed to engage in the ability to heal, recover, and that took me to recovery and regeneration. And this, over the years, just became more and more of a refined areas of study. As they refined, became more and more refined methods and more and more refined systems around mm-hmm. which. I would then train human beings from, and I would organize this into content and information, as you guys now see it today. And it continues yeah. to evolve and develop as I continue to evolve and develop, and as so the system and the process keeps going. But it's built around these things, and it gets more and more clear uh, as I do this more and more for the for the last twenty years. So, I know it was a long one. Sorry. No, that was, oh, a great, that was great. Great yeah. journey. Hey, that great. was my
0: journey where I am. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a very special interview because I, I'm, you're my movement coach, and I've been seeing you multiple times a week now for quite some time and it's really had a tremendous impact on my life personally. Um, and you know the thing the thing that, I think the thing that was the game changer for me, Joe, was when you started talking about mindset uh, as a fitness professional and an avid practitioner of movement myself, I had never really considered the role that mindset, played in training. I'll never forget a turning point in my process where you pushed me to the edge. You forced me to choose either basically giving up on you as a coach or growing forward. And I'm so grateful for that time you took. I remember you took me out to lunch and helped me see that I was really getting in my own way. And that talk was eye-opening and it focused on my mindset and how I was approaching everything in the gym and really in hindsight, everything in my life. Um, I feel this is how you really bring mindfulness to your training and coaching philosophy. Can you talk a little bit more about the mindset and the psychology, maybe, um, and how it pertains to your training, and how did you, where did you go to learn about that psychology (laughs) side also? Yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah. Um, First, that's uh, amazing to hear. I always appreciate when students, clients, friends... Uh, colleagues share stories like that about how I've influenced or affected their lives because that's what I aim to do. My only reason I even do this is to try to change lives for the better. I'm trying to affect people at a very deep personal, uh, even professional, all aspects level to optimize their lives. That's all I want to do is change it. I want to bring this information and knowledge and content and expertise and experience I have and try to provide strategies that are sustainable and solutions to that. And it always has led me down to in order to do that we have to talk about why you are the way you are currently like what choices what decisions what reasons are there that make you choose the things you choose to do want to do the things you want to do and uh, all the aspects around that so you know i really thank you for sharing that that definitely means a lot to me and um it's a common theme so (laughs) i'm always pushing to try to go forward with something and in my career and my time doing this um, i've learned that there's this balance between doing that And setting up the expectations and doing what you just described and and pushing people to uh, make change through examination of self uh, and looking at that. And this other side of it, which is balancing meeting them where they are and the empathy of where they are coming from and who they are already and what's going on with themselves. And I was really... Um, lacking in the empathy side for a very long time and I just <laughs> didn't understand. Skill. I was like, why can't you just think like I think? What, what's that about? I don't understand this. I have this great information to share with you. Let's go do it. What's the problem? you know? And then I started realizing the problem is psychology. There's a mindset right. here. This is a human being that has a whole host of learned behaviors. Not just learned movement behaviors but learned everything behaviors that's driving all the mechanisms around them. And, um, but the only way, in my opinion, to ever really have a breakthrough with a human being and get them to really make change is to keep meeting them where they are but constantly uh, challenging them. You got to challenge them for behavior to change and to challenge them in such a way that sometimes, you know, you're going to push a little too hard and sometimes you're not. And you have to have that in order to go anywhere. Somebody challenging you on some level in a way that hopefully motivates and inspires as opposed to demeans, puts downs, or breaks them down. Uh, So you're trying to motivate and inspire through getting them to examine themselves. Uh, Where did I learn this or how to do that? It's self-taught and self-learned, to be honest. It's like I had no choice but to learn it. Because if I cared that much about trying to make a difference, Mm. it becomes an automatic. I'm dealing with human beings, so I'm going to have to dive into understanding psychology. I will say one place I probably learned the most, though, is diving into my own psychology. Is pursuing myself and trying to become the best version of myself with these three major components that we teach of movement, uh, nutrition, and recovery. And diving into myself to try to figure out why I would have choices made and pitfalls and roadblocks and things with myself that were driving me off of those paths of optimal decision-making around the reality of those three things. And why would I drive off of that? And why was I attached to certain things that may not be the best for me? And so diving into that throughout my life and, uh, uh looking at psychology from that standpoint and then experiencing it with other people and getting, just getting good at it through lots of mistakes. There are plenty of people, uh, where I pushed too hard or didn't push the right way or lost, uh, my ability to be um, a good leader or a good teacher in a moment and it's how I figured it out, essentially. It's through that process, and it's led me to have lots of great breakthroughs with, with people and uh, a lot of success, and you don't have success without having those learned experiences along the way where it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. So It's almost like it's not even a lack of success. It's just a way to get better, is right. having that not go that way. So I don't have a really formal education in it. It's just a learned thing that occurred from having no other option other than I gotta get good at understanding Sarah and helping Sarah, I gotta get good at learning you and helping you and then we balance the expectation challenges with the empathy and understanding of who you
0: are Speaking of challenges, are there any significant challenges for you along the way in your journey that stand out that might have been a turning point for you in your education or your growth within your field or in life in general that you feel you, you really look back on and remember as a, a key moment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot. <laughs> there were definitely, um, more than a lot, but I have, uh, a couple in particular that I can think of off the top of my head. So one was just training people and the ability to understand that it doesn't matter how good you are, how much, you know, or how great you are as a coach or, you know, the content and all the understanding in the world, if you can't actually relate to other people well. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had a very good friend, who I'm going to leave the name off, uh, who's still a good friend, but I had a, um, a relationship developed with his wife in, in a appropriate type. I'm talking about a training relationship because she got married to him, and he was a very good friend of mine, and uh, I worked with her for on a regular basis. She's a, an incredible person, very talented individual uh, in all aspects of that word's definition, and uh, she was able to really create high levels of performance for herself because she would just take this information just that i was teaching and just drive and do it and go somewhere and i just constantly pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed to try to get more and more out of her um, as if it was like a machine that you're just you know it's not a human being anymore you're just creating Mm -hmm. as much challenge around this person as possible and and eventually she broke down uh, mentally from this from this constant beratement of well, come on, we get to the gym. we got to do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit Mm. more. Why did you eat that thing? Why did you make a... So every decision that wasn't perfect in my mind was criticized, and and I found myself almost bullying at times. Mm. Uh, And that was a a thing that I recognized as a theme with certain people at certain times that I would do that I'm like, I have to get... I mean, to this day, I have to continue to get better at that. It's just part of the nature of... You know, trying to create this situation of being a great coach for people, but that situation when she quit—so basically, she quit training with me. We were having all kinds of success. So like, why would you quit training? It makes no sense. And it was because you're too much, <laughs> you're too intense, uh, you have no ability to see the other side of things, which is that I'm a human being, and that there's—you know—and you're actually driving me to want to eat poorly because you're pushing me so hard to not eat poorly <laughs> or to make those challenges. And this—this this was a big moment of uh, uh, of awareness for me. That's somebody eight. that close to you, when it's someone close to you, you know, the other clients and you, you write it off like if there's a person that stops training with you as, and there are, there are their own personal reasons that they, their, their own pitfalls and, and challenges that they have uh, that drive anybody to potentially not be able to follow through. But if you're really good at the psychology of dealing with people and meeting people where they are as well as setting expectations, you balance that really well people typically don't stop working with you. They typically Mm -hmm. keep going forward in some way because I'm always going forward. I'm always going to keep going, but now I don't do it in that manner anymore. I learned then how I have to Mm -hmm. meet people where they are because when someone that close to you stops um, working with you and then is honest with you because some people won't be, right? Uh, Right. This person was very honest with me, and that was a big moment for me to learn that I uh, to be really what I want to be for other people, I have to take that long, hard look at myself and figure out how I'm going to be able to do that better. And then help other people that are coaches as well learn that. Because we have other coaches in this world, as we all know, that are very similar to the description I was just talking about. Sure. And that's where your tendency will be. And then you will not ultimately be as successful as you can because of this thing really robbing you from being able to fully deliver your message and help people really change. That was probably one of the biggest ones for me.
0: Well, that's great that you know you were really vulnerable enough to look in the mirror and acknowledge and, and be able to see it, being able to observe our own actions and behaviors when, you know, sometimes it's hard to see it when they're not ideal behaviors. It's easy to not see it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's powerful to be able to see it and then grow from that. That's a great and, story. And then
1: to share it with us. We appreciate it. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no yeah.
2: problem. I mean, it's just how you get better. I mean, I push everybody sometimes a little too far on that side of things, you know, and then I have to come back and realize that if I'm really going to make a difference, how do, I, how do I do it more the way we, you just described, you know, you and I got there without gotcha. going too far. You know, and uh, helping people because you're diving into somebody else's psychology, man. Sorry. The reason they make decisions, the decisions they're making, how to change that. thats You get vulnerable. You get into someone's personal space pretty heavily like that. So you have to really balance how you go about it and how you're going to do that. But that's the real art of changing lives.
0: That's how you really make change yeah. with people. It could stir some stuff up, though. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, yes some, there's some deep <laughs> embedded reasons why yeah. people show up to the gym. Yeah. Um so that's, that's interesting. That's, well, that's.
1: I, I just like to say I was not involved in this conversation, this lunch that the two of you had yeah. in, a, in a personal way, although I heard stories about it afterwards. And what I did see was dramatic change for the better in so many ways. It wasn't just how he was showing up to go to the gym, because I don't train with less, but the way that he was showing up as a husband and a father and a human being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. After that day that you two had that lunch, there were some really, really big positive changes, impressive positive changes. And I think that there's still like a a trickle-down effect from the little changes that are being made step by step by step. So I think that that's really impressive. And I, I only see him, I'm sure there's hundreds of clients that you've touched in the same way so it's I really so. i think it's so. really special i think
0: yeah and it trickles down i mean um it changed since you got me started looking at mindset and how it you know steers our behaviors it gave me a tool to start applying in my work with my clients and then i got to see them go through similar transitions and growth processes so That's again awesome. it was a whole side of uh of training that i never really considered so i'm 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 grateful that I was able to acquire that info from you and look forward to keep learning more from it in the future. Thank you.
1: So you've talked a lot about some of the mistakes you made or not not mistakes, but challenging moments that you've yeah. had and learning experiences. so mm-hmm. on the on the flip side, are there any you know success stories or moments that you're just really grateful for that also shifted and led you to where you are today?
2: Let's see. Uh, moments of success that I'm grateful for. Uh, there's yeah, probably they're all a like them. things that never were intended. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a person that has goals. It's part of the psychology thing again. I don't really mm-hmm. fixate on a set thing, outcome to try to achieve. Mm-hmm. I'm more, much more about this idea of process of just trying to optimize my life and be the best version of myself I can and then help other people do that same thing and then channel it into things as you choose, um, which is great. So I didn't have, so the successes were just, accidental based off of the uh, original objective and understanding that that's what I was trying to do, just be the best version of myself and try to change every single person's life and never, ever quit doing that. And one other thing about the, the idea too that I was talking about, not to backtrack, I'll play into this question, sure. but this idea of um, uh, really diving into the mindset and the psychology of a human being and trying to help them change behavior. Uh, you have to provide, first, trust. There's got to be some level of trust that gets developed there and then you have to have an environment after they open up to be clear that the environment there is completely non-judgmental and completely supportive so that they will continue to feel like they can go there with you and then you can really go somewhere together on the other side of that, which is certainly, I feel like, what we've done. We've, we've really come out of those conversations and ended up in a much better overall place as you just described for yourself as well as me with a relationship with you. It's, sure. it's much, much better, and um, it's, a, it's a really healthy thing that occurs, and that's very important. Because what, we, what was your quote? Oh, my successes. successes.
1: Uh, Moments of being grateful.
2: Yeah, I'm grateful for that kind of a moment. That's sure. the thing that it the is. like thing. There's no like major defining successful moment for me. I mean, I'll describe a couple in a second, but the things I'm most grateful for that almost make me emotional are the stories like that, the things that people do like that, and then when they really, truly change. Because we talk about, I mean, this is a, a thing about strength and conditioning and human movement and human performance or whatever we're talking about uh, uh, as the tangible thing, but all of that is just side effects. Everything you do in your life, the reason someone isn't successful with movement or performance or nutrition or recovery or these things is strictly coming out of the fact of how they feel about themselves and the choices they're making relative to that. So that's the really important part of it and and that's the stuff that makes me uh, grateful and have these huge successes are those things, those moments like that. To me that's the huge success. I don't care about outward appearance or how it looks to other people or uh, how many people get affected by what they're going to hear from this. That'd be great. But it says individual moments like that. And then some of the other big ones that have come out of that because of things like that is the fact that I have a, a place, a facility. Like The only reason I opened up Opti, this facility that you guys all come to, uh, is I wanted a place where I could actually complete my vision, my place where I could operate with other like-minded professionals if that so happened without it being um, anything else distracting or taking away from the mission of that I just described, that I have. And that's where the facility came And it ended up happening because of that. It wasn't like I wanted this facility. I wanted to be able to do that. And then I was successful enough to be able to do it and have a facility to, to support that. And uh, same thing. Now I have um, some people I interact with in Florida where it might turn into a second facility on some level. But there's a whole relationship that started down there because of one person said, What is that that you're doing with movement and nutrition and recovery? And can I learn it? And I said, Yes. And then we developed a relationship, and it's turned into this whole experience that I go down one week every month and have this incredible like journey occurring where this is spreading to another state with another facility, possibly. It's like, what is it that? And I get to teach courses that are CEU-approved for the NSCA and for uh, ACE and uh, other organizations, and uh, I'm, I'm speaking at the NSCA Personal Trainers Conference. These are the things that are just um, I'm really grateful for that just are accidental sure. successes, or they're just not intentional goals, just things that occurred. So you talked
1: about not really being uh, outcome-based, where it's more of a process-oriented mindset. And I know that you use that in your training uh, at at your facility. So have you always been that way? Just curious.
2: Probably on some level, yes. But I think that here's a cool thing to think about for a second. So you have outcomes, and then you have process. But that can still be construed as the process to creating the outcome.
0: Sure.
2: (laughs) So I was probably always very process-oriented, but... Like really the intricacies of creating the outcome. So high performance. I wanted to be stronger, faster, more powerful, higher endurance, all outcomes. Right. But I wasn't fixated on a specific outcome within it. I didn't really care too much about the set pull-ups or how much weight I deadlifted or something, but what's the process to allow me to weight lift a lot of weight or move a lot of weight fast? Okay. So I've always been process-oriented like that, but now I'm more process-oriented to, okay, None of that really ultimately matters. What really matters is how well this organism functions throughout its lifetime and making that uh, the priority in the process of, okay, well, how does this thing work and, and what's the process going to be for constantly developing its competency and optimizing it on a regular basis? And this brings in the nutrition component, the recovery component, and, of course, the psychology component. So you're really creating the best version of, a, of yourself that you can is ultimately what it's about there. So, yes, always process-oriented. Very detail-oriented, um, highly focused on that all the time, but for different understandings.
0: Focused on the process. Yeah. That's great.
1: So we heard you talk about how you use mindset in your training with other clients, um, and I personally have watched you train uh, yourself, work, you know, working out yourself, and I see you mm. using the same philosophy. Um, I'm curious if there's any other ways that you use mindfulness in your life or what it means to you, really, to be mindful
2: i think it means to me mindful uh to be focused on or have attention to uh, an awareness of everything that's going on or what you're doing so uh yeah i'm very mindful obviously with the training practice with the idea of movement and its competency and um, the understanding of how that is developed and learned through environmental stimulus and the adaptations that then occur from that uh, so yeah throughout my whole life everything is 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 pretty much like that i'm pretty mindful about all things I, I, pretty aware of everything that's going on around me at all Mm times, so much so that I notice people just changing little things about themselves, like their shoes are different than they were Mm -hmm. an hour ago or something like that. Uh, But what it it really means to be mindful also is to just be present. To me, it means to be present and aware of what's going on uh, with your own body, with uh, other people, with other environments. And the big one is an awareness of how you as a human being interacting are affecting other people, Mm -hmm. how you're affecting other environments or other things around you. That's a big part of it to me, is for me, is I'm very mindful of when I go into Dunkin' Donuts, how, uh, uh, where I walk so I'm not in someone's way or uh, holding the door when I see someone coming up behind me. It's, uh, I've always been very present with those things, and that's part of being mindful, is the ability to um, be present with uh, the rest of the world in a way where you're doing things just hopefully. I uh, can't always be positive and, and directing everything in the best manner possible, but you're at least working towards that on a regular basis. That's mindfulness to me.
1: That's great. And I think that that really comes out when you see the community that you've developed at Opti. The, the way that people interact, you know, they're just training clients and they interact and they get to know each other and they are like, hey, where, are, where, where were you last week? I didn't see you. And it's a really great community feel there. Great, so, thank you. I'm yeah, really glad to hear that. Yeah, like that's
2: what I strive for in that sense. Uh, again, that's never was a goal or an objective either. It was literally like I want to do my work with Sarah. Right. I want to do my work with Les. I want to change your lives. And in doing that, and I'm, I'm mindful of saying, "Hey, how are you? Hello, good to see you today." And right. it creates that culture and community. Versus, I mean, everything we're taught in business or anything else is to intentionally try to do these acts, and that's great. It'll, it'll work if you intentionally try to do it. You'll be able to do these things most likely. But I think it works better, and um, I think for me it's more rewarding just because it's it's a natural, just way. I'm, I'm just like this. So this is yeah, it's an organic, natural thing. Um, right. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it comes across.
1: Well, I know that you work with a lot of trainers in the area. You lead large continuing ed certifications. Uh, you have your own courses coming up. Um, I'm just curious if you have one piece of advice for our listeners that may be in the movement industry themselves and. Either they're just beginning in their profession or they've been there for a little bit of time. What would you give them as a piece of advice to help them grow and succeed?
2: Yeah, um, I think the first one would be to uh, not attach themselves to the expression of movement mm. as, an, as their choice. Whether it be um, martial arts, yoga or pilates or uh, any version that's an expression of movement it's not to attach to that but to really dive deeper than that and understand what movement is uh, for a human being what that really is what that's really about how that really works so that you can really make the biggest impact possible besides just teach people about um, the skills or the uh, specialization of or the expressions of dance even but to dive into it deeper If you want to get into really the movement practice, whether you're a physical therapist or a massage therapist, any practitioner that's dealing with the human body Mm -hmm. is to really learn and understand its design, understand its function, understand how it works, and then start really trying to um, uh, look at it from that perspective. Uh, I think that is a very important thing to do because it dives down into more of the reality of the human being versus just the ways we can express ourselves, because there's a lot of way, I mean, pretty much it's endless. Right. I mean, any scale you, you choose. Any activities mm-hmm. we can choose. Yeah, it's all kinds. So.
0: Well, Joe, we know you do a lot of workshops and speak at various events. You have one coming up that I am personally really excited about. This is the system that you've developed at your facility. Um, coming up November 5th and 6th in the Boston area. Can you tell us a little bit about it, what somebody attending would expect and a little bit more about your method in particular
2: <clears throat> yeah absolutely so when it comes down to the movement uh, component uh, specifically so uh, what you'll expect to learn if you go to the workshop in particular so it's two days uh, and there's actually going to be two levels of it right now we've only been teaching this first level of it we've broken it into this idea of restoring human movement competency uh, and then this other one we're breaking into this idea of optimizing human movement competency uh, so this first one's going to be about restoring human movement competency And um, the components and the things you'll learn in that are uh, very specific. You'll learn um, to understand the human organism. It's uh, anatomy, it's neurophysiological, sensory, motor, neuromuscular, integrative systems, and how they all create this anatomical interaction with the environment that we all see and experience that can be specialized or not uh, in many different ways. So you'll learn all about that. And so it's it's a depth of knowledge there that's going to be... intense, I guess we'll call it on some level, but it's just, uh, we'll explain it very clearly as to how this whole thing functions and works. And then you'll understand the actual environment by which the human organism interacts within, which is earth, gravity, uh, three planes, force vectors, and, um, uh, ground or surfaces, and how you interact with the environment and how your movement behavior is learned, uh, through the process of responding to the environment and environmental stimulus on a regular basis. So you'll learn about the organism, the environment, the organism's interaction with the environment, which is that human organisms are um, specifically designed. We have a certain two feet, two legs, two arms, a head, a torso, uh, and it's anatomical design. Though it is shaped different anthropologically as well as somatotype-wise, it's it's the same interaction. It's a human being versus a tiger versus a lion. It has certain fundamental, uh, developmental, and, found, and overall that's a foundation of uh, human expression, human movement patterns that it organizes itself into to interact. And you'll learn what those foundational movement patterns are, uh, how they are developed from birth naturally through the environmental stimulus that is provided uh, to it on a regular basis as a child. And uh, you'll learn how uh, development continues and it may or may not continue in a way that you are designed most ideally to be. Uh, it may end up becoming compensatory and altered, which it typically does in modern society. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn about the differences in that and how those things are just side effects and adaptations that we overreact to and that we need to get to the heart of the problem, which is now restoring its foundational competencies and having it uh, operate back at its, under, its normal level, the way it was designed to op- actually operate and having the expressions of the patterns and the movement and the competency become uh, moving in this direction of efficiency towards how it is designed. And then from there, uh, once we understand how to restore its competency, we'll talk about how to evaluate that level of competency, wherever it already is with competency, Uh, and then the methods behind how to actually then provide change, behavioral change, motor behavioral change, movement behavioral change, and how that is applied so that you can then begin this process of changing the uh, course of your competency of your motion, just like you would change nutritional behavior begin some kind of new implementation of strategy versus going on a really crazy diet or specific diet. We're going to dive into the understanding of nutrients, the quality of the nutrients, how to provide the nutrients on a regular basis so that this adaptation of health can occur, in this case, movement health. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's what to expect at the actual workshop and a lot of application. There'll be a lot of application of all the components I just listed. Mm -hmm. And uh, And that's only two days? It's only two days, I know.
1: (laughs) That's thorough. I know, it's (laughs) thorough, it
2: is thorough. But uh, it's actually a little like, looking at it the second time, this is the second one we're going to teach, and looking at the content of it, Mostly because we refine the process more and more and more, getting better and better at how to organize it. I'm looking at it going, that may not even take the full two days. But then again, how I speak and the amount of my talk <laughs> and my partner in this process, Corey Bevan, uh, he speaks similarly to me. I and mean, we end up, so we got two people that are pretty really similar in how we, we go about uh, the intensity of our delivery of information. So
0: it might take a while. We'll see. <laughs>
1: Well, it sounds phenomenal. I um, I would, oh, I can't go, but
0: maybe. I'm definitely looking forward to going. You know, I I find that the the evaluation part to me is fascinating, and this is another, I think, component, a mindful component of being in the movement field. Just being an observer of movement and mm-hmm. not judging, but just, you know being able to objectively observe movement mm-hmm. and make decisions from day to day based on what you see and i think there's so many coaches out there in so many different modalities of movement that you know that skip that step that don't take a moment to just assess and and just be a watcher be a mm-hmm. watcher of movement and Absolutely and not attach any judgment to what you see and just try to see what's actually going on and then use that to determine where you go from there.
2: Absolutely. Well said, 100%. And, and it changes day-to-day, I'm
0: learning. You could mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you could be. You mentioned how we're affected by our environment. I mean, I know there's been days where I've come to the gym and I've had a stressful thing in my life and it'd be totally unrelated to movement. Mm-hmm. It's not like a physical injury. Yep. It might be... Uh, a stressful moment with a family member, a discussion that... Not me, of course. Not <laughs> you, of course. And I'll now I'm able to see that that affects the quality of your movement. And yes. you have to change your right. course. And if somebody was uh, assessing you um, or evaluating the quality of movement, it would be different that day. That's correct. And it's not just like, oh, you're sore because you did a bunch of squats yesterday. There's all these other stresses in our life that affect how we move. Um, and you, without assessing, without being mindful to, you know, objectively observe that, you can't really make the best decision of what where to go forward to support a more productive growth That's in right. that in that direction. But you end up obligated to something
2: that has a label. Instead of it being it's no there's no labels and there's no separation. You're one organism and we break down components so we can understand them better. And we break down those components into further understanding so that we can again just keep understanding it better and better. Uh, so that you can apply methods to it. Mm-hmm. But you're one organism and all the factors contribute. Everything contributes to the overall wellness of this thing right here. And all these components, the systems inside your body are constantly, 24-7, reacting and responding and adapting to environments that you are presenting around your body at all times. Mm-hmm. Stress, uh, food, and, of course, motion, movement, and uh, the interaction with this environment. So, yeah, the separation is definitely uh, needs to stop and then we got to get rid of this idea of there's labels on it so if we create correctiveness then we've labeled it well now it should be correct but it's that's not how the human organism operates or uh, develops functions adapts there's no correcting it it's just an adaptation process that is constantly evolving on a regular basis yeah it's constantly adapting on a regular basis so Mm -hmm. that's a a new very unusual thing for people to understand it's yeah. hard to understand that, but it's uh, very vital to the process of changing its overall behavior and creating competency long-term.
0: Well, that's great. Well said. Um, and for you listeners out there, if you take movement seriously and you really want to really delve into these topics, check it out. Clear your schedule, November 5th and 6th. It's in the Boston area. Joe, uh, you always have so much wisdom to share and your passion for what you do really stands out. I know our listeners are going to want to find out more about how to connect with you What's the the best way to get in touch with you, to, to reach out and um, start the process of learning more about what you're about?
2: Yeah, I guess the uh, best way to – I would say my website would be a good place to start, but it's slightly behind the current place that I am. I, uh, you, have,
1: you have other things that you're yeah, putting I'm, your efforts into.
2: I'm busy doing the work, man, with you guys in particular, like, you know, like one-on-one and those kind of environments. Uh, so my website may be not the best place, but it is uh, – optimum-performance-training.com and then the best place to probably reach me is uh, info at optimum-performance-training.com uh, it's probably the best way to get in touch with me and begin a process of inter- you know, interaction with me.
1: And your your business has a Facebook page as well, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that, yes. Uh, there's that. <laughs> there's social media contacts, uh, Facebook. There,
1: there may be at yep. least, right?
2: I think there's a Twitter somewhere in there as well. Yeah. They are like on
0: Facebook. You can reach Joe. If you're listening out there, it is possible. Website is a bit of a dinosaur, but uh, the, the content is absolutely first rate when you start to, to learn from them. It'll change the way you move and the way you look at movement and the way you could help others in your life, definitely without a doubt. Uh, you won't regret it. Um, and we'll have all the links on our show notes so that you can get in touch with them and find out more about this exciting workshop that's coming up. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom on the Mindful Movement Podcast. We're grateful for you and the time that you took out of your busy life to speak with us. Uh, Like I said, we will have all the links and resources listed in our show notes. Don't forget to check out Joe's upcoming training. It is a tremendous value, and I know you won't regret it. And I'll see you there. I will be there. And thank you to our listeners. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Interviews will be published every Wednesday. Meditations published every Monday. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and tell us what you want to hear. We love to hear from our listeners. We hope you will grow with us. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you, you, Joe.